All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us here on a Wednesday. Hope day, Tim. How are you doing? How are you doing? You look like you're very happy. Can you tell everyone uh, why? Tell us why, Tim. Uh, lots of reasons, but the main reason is that I just published a book this week. Um, I haven't talked about this at all on the show, honestly. And I, you know, if you follow my Instagram, I've talked about it a little bit, but. Yeah, this has been a long time coming. I've been working on this on and off, honestly, since I was in high school. Uh, so going back 15 years in some form or other and a lot of work, taking a lot of time. Self-publishing is a lot of work and, and I've learned a lot, but the book is finally out there. It's a novel and you can buy it now. Go. Where do we get it, Tim? Don't just leave us hanging. I already <laughs> bought one, so I already know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm going to share it on all the social media stuff uh, at some point in the next, sometime this week. But if you want to go on the the website is timwurtsberger.com. You'll be redirected to the page that has the book sales. Uh, $25 includes the cost of shipping to the U.S. If you're in Canada or another country, just shoot us a message. Shoot me a message on any of those channels on Instagram, Twitter, whatever. Um, and I'll get you a, a shipping price just because it's a flat fee for media shipping in the U.S. and it's different. But yeah, yeah, it's been it's exciting. It's it's nerve wracking when you. I, I don't know. I spent so much time, a lot of energy, a lot of late nights getting this thing done over the years, and uh, it's exciting getting it out there. But it's kind of scary too. Yeah, I'm gonna read it, and I will let everybody know what I think of it. So <laughs> we'll see, Tim. I'm going on a trip here in a ten days, and I have all the time in the world to read it on the plane. So don't disappoint me. The bigger judge is Danielle. She's the one. She's a, she's a tough critic. I bet she's a tough. She judge. she won't she won't read it. <laughs> if she will, she wouldn't tell me. She won't She'll read it. I don't think she will. She'll probably glance at it. she she reads seven books at a time. And so I don't know how she does it. Her brain is bigger than mine. Anyways, that's exciting. Can you tell us how many you've sold already? You had a soft opening. Yeah. What are the sales? So I I printed a bunch. Um, printed a few hundred. They're in my apartment right now behind this wall. Um, you can't see, but and so if you order it, it's like I'm gonna sign it if you want me to. There's a there's a form where you can check that box, and I'm shipping it myself. There's no Amazon or website drop shipping anything like that. It's just me and comes directly to me. 
And um, yeah, I launched it. This is mostly just friends uh, and family and 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 listeners now, I guess. Uh, and I launched it Tuesday. What day is today? Wednesday, Monday night. And I've sold a little over 100 copies so far. And so hoping for more, uh, of course. And so please, if you if you like reading and you want to support, uh, be very, very grateful. And I'll sign Tim, if you want. TimWorsberger.com. That's right. Wurzberger. W-I-R-T. No. W-I-R-Z burger. Worst burger. W-I-R-Z in Canada Z. All right. Very good. Very exciting. I, I I bought it right away as soon as I could. Very excited to read it. So good for you, Tim. That's that's quite the accomplishment. Now we got two authors on the show. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I don't want to make it about yeah. me, but I was a bestseller. Um, okay. Should we move on to hockey? Or do you want to talk about yourself some more? I mean, I could I could keep going, so you cut it off. Let's talk about me a little bit. All right. Okay. The NHL. There was there was quite the game. Coming back from the all-star break, everybody's hoping we can get into some interesting, meaningful hockey. And these guys hit the ground running, Tim. It was just playoff atmosphere from the drop of the puck with the Rangers and the Flames. Milan Lucic, fresh off of an interview with dropping the gloves. Great reviews, by the way, from that interview. Rave reviews. His team got a little bit of bullied, Tim. I didn't really expect it. The Flames are known as a hard-hitting physical team. They got some toughness up and down the lineup on the back end, up front. They go into Madison Square Garden. And I don't know if you've noticed, but one of my favorite players just so happens to play for these blue blue shirts. He's their captain, Jacob Truba. He must have went away on the All-Star break and really got upset because he came back and he was fired up he was burying everybody if someone wanted to fight him he would grab him and beat their doors off and it happened twice it was it was throwing me back to scott stevens it was that kind of vibe where the hits were clean they were open ice and they were violent the whiplash the players got when they hit the ice was there you could tell it was a hit with some impact and some force and Truba was just, he was ready for the fight afterwards. It was fantastic. Truba first hit on Dylan Dubé. Good hit. Chris Tanev comes, jumps in there, fights him. Chris Tanev is a pretty big boy. Truba's a big man, Tim. We talk about this a lot. You don't really notice it until he lines up next to somebody who's big and who's a fighter. And Truba handled him. I thought it was a good fight. Tanev is a tough kid, but I think Truba wins the fight. You think that's going to quiet things down? No, it's not. Dean Blaze. Lays out friend of the show, Milan Lucic. Some people are a little, you know, they think it was a little bit of a high hit. Shoulder to head, maybe. Thought it was a fine hit. Well, look it up if you haven't seen it. Lucic has the puck right at the center line, trying to make a play over to his winger. Doesn't quite get the wood on it he wants. Blaze comes over, kind of a blindside hit. I don't know if Milan saw him or not, but he catches him. I think it was a shoulder to shoulder hit. Lucic goes down. I don't think it was that big of a deal, but because it's Milan Lucic, everything is magnified. He's a big boy. When I used to hit the ice, people would, oh, it's fantastic. Oh, you hit him down. Oh, I think the same thing happens with Milan Lucic. After that, Truba, everyone's favorite, Nazim Kadri, comes across the blue line, cuts to the middle. Never a good idea when Jacob Truba's on the ice to cut through the middle. I don't know why he would. You're not going to beat him. And even if you did, he has back pressure, and the guy's going to take you out anyways. You just go wide, you pull up, you live the fight another day. Nazim Kadri 
I'm going to cut through the middle. Truba absolutely decletes him. Like I'm talking linebacker, wide receivers, reaching for a catch through the middle, buries him, lights out. Good on Kadri. He jumps right back up. What I love to this, Truba just stares at him. Did you see the, the stare down afterwards? He's like, this is my house. This is my area. And you are now my property. I buried you. I own you now. After that, he gets jumped by the guy he buried first, Dylan Dubé. And Truba just decides to beat the doors off this kid. Wasn't even close. Did I do a good synopsis there? Is there anything you want to add? Um, unbelievable game. I thought all hits were clean. I, even like the Lucic one, I watched it a bunch. I don't even understand the argument for it not being a clean hit. It seemed like that was the one that got the most attention. Maybe the hit on Kadri, but they were all shoulder to shoulder, shoulder to chest, no head contact. And I think Kadri especially was the one who put himself in a bad position. You mentioned it. How do you cut across the middle in front of Truba with your head down, no less? Like, what do you think is going to happen? And good for Kadri. He said, Good hit. I took it like a man, pop back up, away you go. Like that's you know, fine. Like good for him. And 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 Truba just it was a great sequence for the Rangers, too, because it's not just the energy and everything, but he lays out Kadri, he gets jumped, beats up Dubé. They get a power play out of it because Dubé jumped him, and then the Rangers score in the power play. That's the kind of impact that Truba can have on the game. And that sort of stuff used to happen more often. It doesn't happen that much anymore. So when it does, and you have instances like this, it really stands out, which makes Truba a little bit of a, I don't want to say he's a unicorn, but there's not a lot of the guys in the league that are doing what he's doing. And there's the reason that he's making, I think he makes eight mil a year. And and doesn't put up a lot of points, but this is the impact that he can have on the game. Yeah, absolutely. He is one of the few guys who are feared in the NHL. And we've said this before last year's playoffs. Everybody knows what he did. He single-handedly, you know, toe in the line of legal or not legal with Crosby with the hit. Gosh, I can't remember who he buried in the next series to help them vault them into the, the series lead versus Carolina. But he's that guy too. He is that guy who you want to have to strike fear in the opposing players. And he does it. He doesn't do it often, you know, saves it for the playoffs. Maybe he picks his spots, but gosh, he, he came out absolutely flying. So this does bring up a question that happens pretty much every time you have a big open ice hit and guys want to stand up for their teammates. And and I understand that, but we talked about it before. Can you just make clear what, what is your, your thoughts on having to defend a clean hit? Cause it kind of goes both ways. People get upset about it. You shouldn't have to, what, what, what's your take on that? I think it depends on who is being hit. You don't jump in after Lucic gets hit because he's a tough guy. Maybe you don't jump in after Dubé gets hit because he's not that tier of a player. And I, I know this sounds hypocritical, and it is, but there are different tiers of players on your team. I'm not jumping in unless it's a first-line guy or a number-one defenseman. That that's all there is to it. But if 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 you're burying my best player, which you are when you're hitting Nazim Kadri, he's up there. He's one of my top two or three guys. I, I have to jump in. Mind you, Kadri's got this hits. reputation. Clean hits, uh, clean yeah. hits, dirty I, hits. I, you'll stand up for other anyone, right? Anybody dirty hits, anything goes. But yeah, and it doesn't mean I want to. I, I there were many times where I didn't want to kind of stick up for somebody, and it didn't happen often when I played. I don't know if that's just the nature of me playing or what, but. It it didn't happen often, but yeah, if, if you were to take a run at a Kaner or a Taves or a Gabrick or whoever the star was on my team, 
that was my job to to stick up for them. Or like I talked about, I was on Riley Cote's podcast a week and a half ago. New member of the Nation Network. Welcome. Nasty Knuckles, I think the show is called. But anyways, what we were talking about is if you couldn't find a dance partner, you would go after their skill guys or you would tell their skill guys. And I, I would say this throughout the years. I would say, hey, if Tom Wilson's going to run around, I'm going after you, Backstrom. I, I'm not going after Wilson because he's not going to fight me. So I'm going after Backstrom, going after Carlson, going after Ovechkin. And I would say that to the, the skill guys throughout the league if they didn't have someone who would fight me. And that happened quite a bit in Vancouver. Sestito wouldn't fight me throughout the league. The Not heavy heavyweights, but the guys who were kind of middle of the road, the the Jared Bowles, you know, I forced him to fight one time. You would tell their star guys, be like, hey, none of this. I don't want Dorsett running around or I'm going to just absolutely grab you, Hartnell, or I'm going to grab you, Rick Nash. And it was effective. You know, they would tell their tough guys to, you know, cool the Jets a little bit. So, or, and then I would tell the pests themselves. I said, if you guys do this, I'm taking out your star guys. And Riley Cote would do the same thing. It's a common practice. But back to the point, I, yeah, you, you protect the the the, the high end guys, Tim. Yeah, I I think it's it's. I didn't like doing it, but you have to. It's your job. You you protect the guys who butter your bread, and those guys are the skill guys. Go ask Tom Thomas Vanek. He loved having me around because no one touched him. It just it is what uh, it is. So okay, going back to that example, let's just say it's Washington. You're telling Backstrom like, hey, if Wilson doesn't behave, I'm going after you. Does, yeah. So does Backstrom go back to the bench and like, hey, Tom, John says you're gonna be on your best behavior tonight. Like, what what do you what is that conversation like? Just to just to skate by. Hey, let's you know, don't don't poke the bear, something like that. Yeah. I asked Posture not to fight. I'm like Posture, <laughs> yeah. like better better keep Marshawn in check, or else I'm gonna come after you. And he's like, oh, okay. And I don't know if I he said anything. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think there's a clip of him saying the scariest he's ever been was when I asked him to fight. So there's lots of little conversations that happen on the ice, whether it's to the pest, to the the so-called tough guy or to the other tough guys themselves saying, Hey, you better not run around or I'm going to grab you. Maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it does. I don't know, but those conversations are being had and just, yeah, you want to protect the star guys. That, That was my job. My job wasn't to protect a fourth line guy as much as it was to protect a first line guy. If Steve Downey got destroyed, part of me smiling inside you're like steve yeah good you're a little rat you're a little pest i love steve but it's like eh, he can handle himself so i didn't mind it i think it was a good thing dube got what he deserved the instigator kind of cleans up a lot of that junk not a lot of guys jump people anymore but it's a reaction you see your guy get nailed you want to you know have retribution right there it is what it is troop is a great captain i love i love the whole sequence the rangers have been they need that they need Truber to be that guy on a nightly basis. Agreed. Agreed. Anything else on that game you want to touch on? No. You know what I was thinking? Completely not related to this, the Western Conference. The Avalanche better start winning. I know it's not on the agenda. I just thought of it right now because Calgary keeps losing. Edmonton isn't showing. Edmonton, Edmonton's no. getting better. Edmonton's getting better. They won like to eight say, in a row. I meant to say Calgary's not showing any signs of life and you're just expecting these two teams to wake up. One of them has to wake up and take control of this conference. Cause right now no one is taking control of this conference. Dallas is 
skidding. Vegas has lost Stone, so I think they're plummeting. I don't think they're going to be there at the end. Seattle's not that team. Is Winnipeg that team? Minnesota's in cap hell. L.A., I think they're the same team as last year. Who's the team in the Western Conference that's going to take control of this conference? I don't know. I don't know who it is. I want it to be Colorado, but they they're, they show flashes of greatness, and then they just go on a skid where they lose four or five, four or six. So I don't know. It, maybe it's Edmonton. Jack Campbell has been playing better of late, by the way. So someone needs to step up, Tim. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you look at the six division leaders, Dallas, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Vegas, Seattle, L.A. If I asked you three months ago or before the start of the season, those six teams, couldn't they just as likely be not in the playoff picture? Like, they're not dominant teams. This is not – it's not the same as the East. Like, you know Boston, Toronto, Tampa, Calgary, uh, Carolina – Rangers, like, you know, they're all going to be there. The West, yeah. those six teams could be interchangeable. Like, this, the, the season starts now, blank slate. It might be a different six teams that make the playoffs. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just. Depending right. how the season goes, you could easily have Nashville, St. Louis, Vancouver, San Jose, Anaheim in that mix. Like, And can we just, we'll talk about this one day, how disappointing so far Nashville's season has been. Like they went out and made some big signings in the offseason. They brought in Ryan McDonough. They brought in somebody else, too. I can't remember to get them into that tier of the Dallas's, the Colorado's, the Vegas's. And they just, I don't know what's going on in Nashville, UC Soros. I haven't dug into them as much, but I just was thinking the other day, gosh, they have really been disappointing this season. But anyway, someone needs to step up, Tim. Out of these teams, who's going to just take control? Are you still sticking with Colorado? Dallas has been my team. I think I think they're a team that can. I know they've been I wouldn't say they'd struggle, but they they sort of flatlined a little bit the last, I guess, going back to before the break. Um, but they're still a team I think makes it out of the West. I agree. Speaking of Dallas, Tim, let's transition right into their captain. Oh, captain, my captain. Is it a, is he having a quiet, a Hall of Fame career that no one is talking about just because he sprinkled in a couple bad seasons that everybody focuses on? What's going on with Jamie Ben? Well, potentially, and and more than that, it's just a cool story. His ascension to being a captain, being the, a guy in the NHL, being a star, was a very unlikely one. Um, and so, who was it we talked about? Talked with a few weeks ago, playing like house league at fifteen or whatever. Was it Valpati? Um, it's kind of similar, yeah. Where it's just Jamie Ben, he's played his a thousandth game last week. He was playing junior B at sixteen. Didn't play junior A till 17. He was a walk-on to the Kelowna Rockets at 18, a fifth-round pick, and then he goes on to make the World Junior Team for Canada, wins gold, gets straight to the NHL at 20 years old, and then he's been in the same franchise for his entire career. He's second in goals, points, and games played for the Stars organization behind, of course, Mike Madano. And on top of that, you've got an Olympic gold medal, and you've got an Art Ross trophy for most points in the league. And... Beyond all that, like his 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 stats are only part of his game. He's always been a physical bruiser, lead by example type, uh, and putting up points on top of that. But he's never been like a point per game guy to like go you know blow up the stat sheet. It's all the little things he does well that don't show up on the news articles the next day. So yeah, good, really good career, and I love these underdog stories. Good player. I mean, he's just been steady as she goes his whole career. And we talk about people who you just maybe second guess, maybe not take a run at that guy. He was one of those guys on a list where it's like, I don't know. Because 
he seems like he's just tough. You know what I mean? There were certain guys who I'm just like, let's just leave him be. If he gets out of line, I'll address him. But like the Sheldon Surrey, players like that, where it's just like, you know, this guy can chuck up. And you just kind of let him go. But yeah, good career. You can see the progression. He was a bigger guy. I think he's what, 6'3". So he was he was a late bloomer potentially. Yeah, you go from junior B to junior A, then you go to the dub, then you go to the NHL, the world juniors. And you, that I think you see that more often with the guys who are bigger. I don't want to talk about myself. I don't really like to talk about myself. But the same thing happened to me, where I went from junior C to junior B to junior A to college to the AHL, to the NHL, to the Olympics, to the All-Star game. You saw that projection. So it is. It's nice. I think Jamie Benn is a very, very, very good player. Is he worth what he's making? I don't know. That That's a whole different topic for a whole other day. When they sign him to that $9.5 million contract for eight years and $76 million, I don't think they were expecting him to have 53, 39, 35, 46 points in the first four years of it. Some would say that's a disappointing output for that kind of investment. But like you said, he does a lot of things. He doesn't have to be their guy anymore. He can be supplementary income, as we like to say in the investment worlds. He's a little extra points on the side. So I like it. He's playing well. Like you said, the Dallas Stars are dangerous. And if this guy can put up, what, 70 points, it'd be terrific for him. They got a good second line. I'm buying Dallas again. You, you sold me. I'm I'm all in on Dallas again. But yeah, t- he's one of the good guys. You know, he's one of the doesn't wear a visor, plays the game the right way. Even the owner's calling him out. He doesn't throw stones at him. He just shuts his mouth, shows up to work, plays his tail off, and cashes a big fat check with no state chat, no state tax at all in Dallas. So he's not going anywhere. If you think he's going to waive his no trade clause, not a chance in the world. Why would you want to leave the big star? Is that what they call it? The big easy. A Lone Star State? Lone Star State. I thought Dallas had like a name. Oh, I don't know. A motto. I don't know. Like Austin is the weird city or something. <laughs> Austin's weird. Keep it weird, Austin. Keep Austin. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. All right. Moving anyway. on. Let's let's get to some other news. Patrick Kane, Tim. Post All-Star break, that's when the trade talks start to heat up. That's when everybody starts to figure out are we a playoff team? Maybe. Are we a Stanley Cup contender? Maybe. If we are, maybe we should start kicking the tires on some of these free agents to boost our chances once we hit the postseason. What's going on in the Patrick Kane mystery over there in Chicago? Well, he's been asked about this, and he's been pretty noncommittal, but his agent, he says his agent has come to him with several teams that have shown interest in trading for him, but he's still undecided on where he wants to go. I think he's got a full full no move. Oh, yeah. The Rangers, the Rangers and Stars are among those teams. So he can pick where he wants to go, see where his opportunity is. We talked about the Rangers, the connection with Panarin. Does he want to stay in the West for, I don't know, potentially an easier road to the finals? How important is a finals appearance to a guy that's already he won three cups it's a different animal than someone who's looking for his first so what what are the things that are important to him and he's got complete control of that situation i think you'd be surprised that his early success with the blackhawks plays into this at all i think this guy hasn't been in the playoffs in a few years chicago has been struggling for a long time now caner is starving 
to play in some meaningful games. So it, it would not surprise me at all if he just gets traded to the best team that he can go to because he wants to play in the playoffs. The Hawks, how many years has it been since the Hawks have been relevant to him? Four? They made a push when they got Jones and Flurry and all these flashy signings a couple of years back, and that just tanked. They have not been a really serious contender for a long, long time. Maybe since I was there. It's been that long. So he wants to play meaningful games. He will get traded. I know there was some banter that maybe he'll just, because he is injured. There's talks that he's going to stay in Chicago, re-sign for one year, rehab. That's not happening. That's not happening at all. The Hawks will trade him if he allows it, and he will go to the Calgary Flames or the New York Rangers. Those are the two teams that I think he would fit the best lineup-wise in, but maybe he, he surprises everybody and just goes to a Tampa Bay or goes to a Colorado and just says, you know what, I'm, I, I want to win a cup. I'm going to wave my no-trade clause to this team. Chicago eats 95% of his cap. They get two first-rounders, and there you go. That's the trade. But he will get traded this year. Kaner will not finish the season as a Hawk. He's talked to Duncan Keith. Duncan Keith said, best decision I ever made. Going to Edmonton. Got to play for a different system. It was fantastic. Dipped my toe in a different team's organization. And he loved it. So all signs are pointing towards this guy is going to be gone. And it's just a matter of when, not if, at this point. I think he's gone. I think Taser's gone. The Hawks are in full-blown Bedard mode. And they're going to sell anybody who has any speck of value. Max Domi, Athanasio, all these guys are gone. They're going to be icing an AHL team by the end of the season. It's going to be terrible for the Hawks right now, but it'd be good for them in the long haul. But yeah, Kaner, where does, I know we've done this before. Do you still think the Rangers are the place for him? Uh, it's hard to say just because the Rangers have the pieces. They've got the pieces to to move if they want to make it work. And, and the Blackhawks, especially with only one year left, I think would be willing to eat as much salary as, as they need to to get rid of them and get the maximum return. So the Rangers could could be that move, uh, be that team. I think the Stars could be that team. There's a lot of teams that, that could that could make it work. But honestly, the more I think about it, I don't think I don't think Kaner is the, the premier forward at this deadline. I think I think Timo Meyer is the guy that more teams will want. He's under control. He's younger. He's a little bit physical, a little bit stronger than Kane. Um, he had three points against the, the Leafs the other night, just just putting on a clinic on the big stage. So I think if I'm a team, he's the one that I'd, I'd try to get. Are you kidding me? Are you no. honestly serious that you would take Timo Meyer right now over Patrick Kane? If you had the choice between the two, are you joking me? John, I, I know he's been playing with bad players, but Kaner has not had a good season. And a lot of people think that the injury thing is is lingering. I'm not knocking Kaner. He's probably number two. I'm just saying, I, I think Meyer's the guy. I think he's the guy that will generate a bigger return. I think he'll probably have a bigger impact uh, for a team. He might get a bigger return. I'll give you that based on team control, age, and seasons down the road. But for one year, nobody is taking Meyer over Kane. In the playoffs, the guy scored the game-winning goal in overtime to win the Stanley Cup. The guy's been there, done that. 15 years ago. Not 15 years ago. He's a Mm. proven, proven stud. He's 34 years old. He's still... 13 years ago. Still got some wear left on that tire, some tread left. The guy's going to be dynamite for whatever team he goes to. 
He, he can't produce right now. He's he's playing with absolutely nobody in Chicago. At least Timo Meyer's got Thomas Hurdle. At any given time, Kaner's playing with Philip Khrushchev, Tyler Johnson, Max Domi at center, Jason Dickinson, Sam Lafferty. Good, good players. Come on, Tim. Not great players. That's why he's Meyer, had a bad season. He's already got 30 goals in the year. It's 52 games in. Like he's, I think he's the guy. I think he's going to be that guy. We'll see. We're going to have a bet here. If they both get traded to a playoff contending team, which I think they will, right? Yep. You're sitting here looking at me in the face saying, Meyer will get more points than Kane in the playoffs. And, yeah, I mean... Points per game, I guess, because you can't control how their teams, how many games they're going to play. Points yeah. per game. Okay. What do you want to bet? That deal. What do you want to bet? Virtual breakfast? I don't know. You give me the money back for the book. $25. Okay. $25. And it, but if I win, you got to buy a book for a listener. Um, okay. All right. Cool. Okay. Lucky well, listener. then if, if I win, you give a book away. Okay. All right. I don't win anything in this bet. Nothing at all. It's just the kind of guy you are. Does it diminish it if I say I agree? <laughs> Your I words think it does. Mine. I no. think it ruins the gift if I say I'm a great guy for giving you that. You're supposed to be humble. I'm not saying it. Anyways, moving on. Patrick Kane will be traded. One of those teams that is kicking the tires on Patrick Kane just got awarded the all-star break to him. The 2024 All-Star Game will be in Toronto. Smart decision by the NHL, finally. I like that. What did Mike Rupp say about this? It was an interesting... First of all, what is with these guys doing these Twitter videos, just facial, like laying down? Like, are you that casual, Rupper, where you can't even sit up, like? Kevin Weeks does it. Rupper does it. Elliot Friedman does it. I don't understand if that's the new thing to make it look like you don't care. I don't know. I just don't. I'm so, I'm so I can't even stand up for this. I'm going to just, I got to take a video lying down. I'm so tired. Whitney does it too. Yeah. Does he? Ryan? Yeah. Or Ray? <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. What did Rupper say? He said, congratulations on the all-star game, Toronto. This will be a nice way to celebrate Austin Matthews on his farewell tour. What the heck does that mean? What does he mean by that? What is he saying? I I can't read between the lines. What is he saying? (laughs) This is very similar to your tweet a few months ago when you said Toronto's getting a glimpse into their future when Calgary lost its two superstars in a matter of a couple of weeks. It's Sort of it's the same it's the same energy. He's saying, hey, Matthews is gone, and everyone knows it. And then he followed up. It, of course, he gets roasted, torn apart, and all the, the Maple Leafs fans are like, oh, just saying stuff about the Leafs for clout, and everything's about the Leafs, blah, blah, blah. And then he followed up with a video like a couple hours later, and he said, my apologies. I didn't uh, – I wasn't thinking it through, and I forgot about Willie Nylander. He's going to be gone too. <laughs> so it's he's, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. The All-Star game will be great. It'll there'll be a lot of fun stuff to do in Toronto for the players. Hopefully they go back to what works. But yeah. I think Nylander resigns and I think Austin Matthews is gone. I think that's what's gonna happen in the situation. They'll offer the moon to Austin Matthews. They'll give him 13 million dollars, eight years, 
he will turn it down and he will go play in the States. They're going to have to panic. They're not going to be able to lose both of them. And they'll sign Willie Nylander to a $10 million deal. That's my prediction for eight years. So Willie's going to get 80 million. Austin Matthews will be gone. The question is, will they let him walk in the off season? Like very few teams have done. Usually you want to trade this guy, but they will be in the contention for a Stanley cup. Or do you just let him walk for nothing? That, that, that'll be the question, whoever the GM is next year. Whether it's Dubas, we don't know how they're going to show up in the playoffs or not. If they lose in the first round, everything, everybody must go. Shanahan, Dubas, Keith, they're all gone if they lose again in the first round. So this will be an interesting situation to keep our eye on, Tim. Agreed. Do you see uh, Torch's letter? It's embarrassing. To the fans, Yeah. Why? They don't usually do this. Like, I, 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 I couldn't tell if it was like, okay, this is like the first one that gets published because of what he said, or to like the fans usually, or do the coaches usually write letters to the season ticket holders? And I just don't know because I'm not a season ticket holder. But this one was a little bit cringy. Did, do we read the whole thing? I, I guess I could skim through it, but he basically just goes through at the beginning of the season. We want to build the foundation. We're halfway through the season. I love our guys' drive and effort and hunger to compete. You know, we've got some kids here who've impressed me. They're playing heavy minutes. We've got some veterans who show they're on the team, but we're not where we want to be. I'm not going to lie to you. And I want to make it clear. We're not done building yet. We're going to restore the reputation of the Philadelphia Flyers. This excites me. I promise you this. The answer to all the questions that we're going to see in the end of the season will be answered. And we're going to build an identity that reflects the city of Philadelphia and the proud history of the Flyers organization. Why? I don't understand the purpose of these letters. Is it just to to say, hey, you guys, we suck really bad. I'm sorry, but, you know. I know we suck, so let's let's maybe hope for better next year. I don't understand the reasoning. I don't understand the timing. I don't understand why it's coming from John Tortorella. I don't understand any of it. It's a PR nightmare. You're just basically admitting we have a dumpy team, and we're going to be crappy the rest of the year. We're going to give lots of minutes to the young guys. Maybe they're setting the table for just a complete sell-off. We're going to lose some games. I don't know, but it just... Yeah, I don't I don't like it's it's a you're showing your weakness. I don't know why you would do that. Why? It, it doesn't make sense to me that no one's clamoring for John Tortorella to release a letter just admitting that we suck and I'm sorry. I'm I'm sure this didn't come from Torts. It was not his idea. This doesn't seem like his style. It's just a bad news, especially for a city like Philadelphia. You think this is gonna play well in Philadelphia? Maybe it plays well in Anaheim. Or L.A. or New York, where people are more touchy-feely. This ain't a Philly thing. They don't want to hear this. You know what I mean? It's just, it doesn't make sense to me at all. The you fans, probably loved it. You loved no, it. No, 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 no. The fans, it means oh, no one he's wants be, this. He's really opening himself up. <laughs> oh, I love he's being vulnerable. Oh, Come on, get it out of your system. Oh. The fans don't want this. The, no one wants, no one's like, you know what? I needed to hear this. This okay. We're on the. We're heading in the right direction. Thank you, John, for your honor. Like no one is reacting that way. It's a letter to the fan, but I think it's really for the ownership group, like to be like, hey guys, I'm I'm taking accountability. This is a process. 
I'm putting it all out there. Just believe in me and we're building something here. Give them the warm and fuzzies about the, the direction the franchise is headed. I don't, this is embarrassing. No one wants this. But are they building something? The Philadelphia Flyers. No. What are you going to be gone? Yeah. What you have zero cap space. The players you have locked up long term, <sighs> Ristolainen, Ravarov, Kevin Hayes. Y- yeah. Konechny, Ferry. You know what I mean? There's nobody there that just gets me excited. Couturier, who's just, who knows where he stands injury wise? Cam Atkinson. Ryan Ellis, who I think played one shift and decided this ain't for me. I I don't understand where the building process is. It's not like you have a ton of draft picks next year. You don't have a second rounder. You don't have your third rounder. You have your first rounder. That's it. Like there's no avenue where I get excited for the Philadelphia Flyers. So it's just funny. Anyways, not a good scene, scene for the Philadelphia Flyers, Tim. Moving on, big, big contract awarded to a friend of our show, soon to be two-time friend of the show, Dylan Cousins. This contract came out of nowhere. I did not expect this. Seven years, $7.1 million. The Buffalo Sabres have now just locked up their core. This is it. They have Cousins. They have Tage. They have Tuck. They have Skinner. They have Samuelson. This is their team. That's it. If they don't win... They're going to be tough sledding for the next seven years because all these guys are locked up. Good contract, Tim? Bad contract? What do you think? It's a great contract. I think it's right on the money. It's more than just like a, the, the skill is there, the honest product is there. This is, these are talented players you want to build around, but more importantly than that, it's like the character. I think the you know we've had Dylan on the show. You've seen the interviews with Tage Thompson, how humble he is. Darlene, similar, like these are guys, Tuck is a leader. I think these are guys on and off the ice that you want to build around. Seven times 7.1 feels about right for for Dylan Cousins, especially he's having an underrated offensive season. And so I think I think it's right on the money. What do you think? It, it, it's a gamble. It, it's a big gamble to me. 7.1 is a lot of money to be doling out this early in a guy's career, especially for a guy who has not even put up 100 points. What kind of player is a Dylan Cousins, though? What kind of player do you want him to be? Is he a second-line scoring guy like he is now, you know, playing with good players and pushing the pace? Or is he your third-line center who chips in offensively, locked down on the penalty kill? Who do you see Dylan Cousins? I don't know. He's having a good offensive season, but I still feel like he is one of their better defensive players. So I really don't know who that is. So to me... Much like all of these contracts, they're overpaying right now for him. And they're hoping he grows into that player who can get, you know, put up 60 points, be a physical player, drop the mitts every once in a while, be just an energetic guy in this locker room. Someone who they thought Zemgis Gergensen was going to be. He never really developed into that much of an offensively gifted player. He had the physical side. He had the heart. He didn't develop into the offensive player that I think Dylan Cousins has the opportunity to develop into, but it's it seems like a lot. It seems like a lot of money, and I know Dylan's coming on the show next week, but when Tage Thompson, Tim, is getting 7.1, Tage, that's a good contract for Tage. I think it's an overpay for Dylan. 
I think you're paying more for his stuff he does in the locker room off the ice, which, you know, it's hard to put a value on, but I, I could be wrong. I thought Tage Thompson's contract was a steal when they signed it. I was like, that's a fantastic deal for this team. And it's, it's exactly showing that, right? He's already outproducing his contract. If he were to make 7.1, which he's not, he's making 1.4 right now. I think in five years, this Dylan Cousins contract won't be bad. It's not a lot of money. He will be overpaid by a couple million dollars. I, I would have liked Dylan Cousins if I'm Kevin Adams in the $5 million range. That, that's kind of where I would have wanted him to be. So, you know, you can't win them all. They can't all be just aces and great contracts and hometown discounts, but it's a good deal for Dylan. Buffalo Sabres are hoping he turned into a better player and he's already a great player, but seven and one, two, that's a lot of money. Well, he's, he's big, he's strong, he's offensively gifted. And so his ceiling is a player. We talked about him like Ryan Getzloff, who can drive the offense, drive a line. If, if he can be that sort of player, he's worth every penny. What if he comes more like a Jordan Stahl, where he's like a 40 to 50 point player, a similar size, third line center, like you said, responsible, great, great player on an important player on the team, maybe not worth $7 million, but that's the risk you take. But even if he is a Jordan Stahl, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be a great player in this league for a long time. So I think, I think he's worth that risk. And I think I think he will be on the higher end of, of that range as he develops. It's just the nature of the beast. It's how you do business these days. Who knows where the cap's going to end up? You're trying to project and do your best to figure out where can I spend my money? Because on the open market, you're not going to be able to sign a guy for $7 million. These players don't just show up out of nowhere. You have to draft and you have to resign. If you don't want to resign him, there's a reason he's not going to get $7 million on the open market. If that happens, the team bungled something along the way. So you just have to make a decision. Is this your guy that you want to ride with to go into the future? I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's that guy for me. We'll see going forward. But when I look at other $7 million players, there's some good guys out there. We'll see. Like Svechnikov, he's he's in that range. The Klingbergs, the, these type of players, Kadri's. You know, I think I would rather have those guys, but it's early. Dylan Cousins is only 21. He's already played almost 200 games. The guy's been around. I'm just throwing stones. It's a good deal. Buffalo Sabres needed to re-sign him, so I, it's just a lot of money. It's a lot of money, Tim. All right, what are we talking about next? Yeah, just one last thing here. Uh, Bo Horvath made his debut for the Islanders, and and they won four nothing. And he had a good game. He scored a goal. He scored the fourth goal, and he gets a standing O, chanting his name from the crowd. Uh, and you can see how happy they are to have him on the team. He looked really good. He ended up playing uh, with, on a line with Barzal and Bailey for most of the night, which is cool because you, f- you forget they have Brock Nelson and Parenteau down the middle as well. So whether Barzal and Horvat, one of them plays the wing, one of them plays the center. I think they did a little bit of both. But in a nice quote, he said it was, it was pretty amazing. I haven't had a chant like that in a building that loud, I don't think ever. So it was pretty amazing. And you go from fans throwing stuff on the ice and booing you every night and I know that has more about the team than it is about the, the fans in Vancouver, but to go into this is a pretty nice change for him. I don't want to correct you. I I don't like doing this, but their other sentiment is uh, Pajot, not Parento. Parento. I yeah. really no Pajot. <laughs> not Parento. Yeah, I know. Not Parento. I don't I don't like doing that. But yeah. You said you said Dean Blaze 20 minutes ago was Sammy Blaze. I didn't say anything. I was I let it slide. But You're a better man if, than I am. I just don't want, want to confuse. That game. Dean Blaze was the coach of the North Dakota Fighting Sioux, I believe. 
when I was playing college. So I think that's why the name Dean Blaze is on my mind. Sorry, Sammy. He's probably a friend of the show. Listens, definitely. Anyways, going back to Bull Horvat, this Vancouver can't catch a break. <laughs> the subtle jabs. I've never heard, had a crowd like this. It's pretty amazing. And his first night. His first night. It's crazy. It's just, I love it. It's, it's fantastic. Vancouver needs to just, I don't know what they need to do. <laughs> good for Bull Horvat. The Islanders are a good team. I hope they make the playoffs. I hope they get to, you know, what? What are you shaking your head at? Over who? Because isn't Buffalo a better story than the Islanders? Wouldn't you rather see them make it? I would like to see a lot of teams make it. But right now, the way it shakes out in that league, it's like there's Carolina, New Jersey, and the Rangers. They're they're locked in. Boston, Toronto, Tampa Bay are locked in. There's the two wildcard spots. Washington, Pittsburgh, Islanders, Buffalo, Florida. Pick two, Tim. Pick two. I don't think Washington will be there just because I hate Washington. So I hope they miss the playoffs. Pittsburgh, who knows what, who's going to show up any given night with that team. I know Sid, the kid's going to show up great overtime goal by Latang. by the way, he's back and looking pretty good. Is it Islanders? Is it Buffalo? Is it Florida? Florida waxed the Tampa Bay lightning seven, one the other day, they're showing signs of life. So I don't, I don't know what to expect in these. It would not surprise me if the Islanders didn't make it. And it's a Florida, Washington or a Florida, Pittsburgh or a Buffalo, Florida for Pete's sake. So man, imagine investing in Bo Horvat, giving up a first round or giving up a pretty high end prospect and not even making the playoffs. Talk about a whammy. It's going to be fun. Completely different from the Western conference conference where they're giving away playoff spots and nobody wants them. <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? It's like, anybody want to make yeah. the playoffs here? And I was like, no, I'm good. I mean, this Connor mm-hmm. Bedard kid, I'm I'm going to try to go and get him. People are dying to get in the playoffs in the Eastern conference. And there's, it's funny. How is one conference so bad and the other is so good? You're, isn't it interesting? Why? I don't think it's as bad as you, as you think it is. Tim, but- as a whole, you can't sit here and look at me and tell me the Western Conference is better than the East, even close. No, no, it's not. It's just not as bad as you think it is. I Who are the top a... five teams in the NHL right now? Um, Boston, Carolina, uh, probably the Rangers, Tampa, Toronto. Where do all five of those teams play? Uh, in the East? I, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah. You would be a Dallas. terrible lawyer or a debater. You just lost the you lost the case right there. You just I'm not gonna lie just to make my point. I'm but you're lying when you say that Western Conference isn't that bad. So you're it's lying one way or the other. Nothing Bruins bad. still have only lost one regulation game at home. It's unbelievable. All right, everybody. That's enough, unless you want to lie some more, Tim. No, no, no. Timwartsberger.com. Stop pumping up your I'm sick of this already. It has to end. Is this, can we be done with the book thing now? Man, I'm sorry. I'm doing ad reads on the show for the next, until the books are gone, the next month. What's an ad read? Just kidding. This episode is brought to you by Tim Wurtzberger, W-I-R-T-Z, Burger. No. All right, everybody. Have a good night. We'll talk to you Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.